Welcome to the Georgia Today podcast from GPB News. Today is Wednesday, August 2nd. I'm Peter Biello. On today's episode, we get a little insight into what will happen if former President Trump is indicted in Fulton County. A West Georgia college aims to help address a pilot shortage, and we'll hear the first of three stories on dangers associated with high temperatures and climate change. These stories and more are coming up on this edition of Georgia Today. A sheriff in Atlanta's Fulton County says former President Donald Trump will be treated like anyone else accused of a crime if a county grand jury indicts him for his role in trying to overturn Georgia's 2020 election results. The comments by Sheriff Pat Labatt came hours before Trump's indictment by the U.S. Department of Justice yesterday on federal charges related to election interference and the attack on the U.S. Capitol. Labatt says normal practices include fingerprints and mugshots. We'll follow our normal practices, and those that take mugshots will be subsequent to open records requests like everyone else. Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis is expected to make decisions in coming weeks on state charges. Yesterday's federal indictments include 48 mentions of Georgia activities that might preview what's to come from Willis. Federal authorities are on the lookout for a Georgia man who they say pocketed millions of dollars meant for Christian missionary work in China. GPB's Benjamin Payne reports. Jason Gerald Schenk is accused of defrauding donors to the tune of $33 million. In a newly unsealed indictment, federal prosecutors say Schenk raised that money from Christian charities and individuals, mostly in Ohio and North Carolina, from 2010 to 2019. He told the donors their money would be spent on buying Bibles to distribute in China. Instead, Schenk allegedly spent it on himself, buying diamonds, real estate in Chile, shares in a nuclear energy company, and payments to his family farm, among other things. Prosecutors say Schenck renounced his U.S. citizenship in 2016 to skirt financial reporting requirements. Warrants have been issued for Schenck's arrest, but the fugitive's whereabouts are unknown. For GPP News, I'm Benjamin Payne. A West Georgia college is launching a new minor in aviation this fall to help address a shortage of pilots. GPP's Devin Zwald reports. The program at LaGrange College provides students with training that will prepare them for careers as private charter pilots, cargo pilots, or airline pilots. A job the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics projects will have about 18,000 openings each year through 2031. The college's John Head says students can accumulate flight hours while earning academic credits that count towards graduation. Making it uh, an easier uh, way to get that license, if you're planning to go to college, you can do this. Uh, while you're in college. It's not anything you have to do outside of of what you would normally be doing as part of your college career. He says the program is designed so that students can get their commercial pilot license during their four years at LaGrange College. For GPB News, I'm Devin Zwald. A man accused of shooting and killing one woman and injuring four others at a Midtown Atlanta medical practice has been indicted on charges including murder. A Fulton County grand jury indicted Dion Patterson last week in the May 3rd shooting. Patterson is charged with murder and felony murder in the death of a 38-year-old woman. He's also charged with four counts of attempted murder. Fulton County commissioners have agreed to spend nearly $1.7 billion to build a new jail. The county's 35-year-old jail has been overcrowded for decades and is the subject of lawsuits and a federal investigation. County Public Safety Director Alton Adams told commissioners this morning the Department of Justice probe heightens their decision. In addition to the compelling need with the structure and the threat that it it, it provides to our, not only our deputies, but the individuals who are in the jail, I do think there's a certain inevitability of this that we need to consider in light of the uh, 
the investigation. Commissioners discussed possible funding sources, including higher sales taxes. Four Georgia district attorneys want a judge to strike down a new state law that created a commission with the power to discipline and remove them. Republicans created the Prosecuting Attorneys Qualifications Commission earlier this year. It's meant to target what they call, quote, far-left prosecutors who are, quote, making our communities less safe. In a lawsuit filed today, the four DAs, three Democrats and one Republican, say the panel violates state and federal laws about prosecutorial discretion, a bedrock of the American judicial system. The director of Georgia's State Parks and Historic Sites will become the new director of Georgia's Environmental Protection Division later this month. The Department of Natural Resources board today approved Governor Brian Kemp's nomination of Jeff Count to be the state's top environmental regulator. Count will succeed Rick Dunn, who left EPD to serve Kemp's Office of Planning and Budget. Count will oversee the agency's handling of several hot-button issues, including a plan for a mine near the Okefenokee Swamp, and how the state will regulate coal ash stored in ponds near coal-burning power plants. Heat waves across the United States this summer are an indicator of what's to come as climate change drives rising temperatures. The federal government has promised it will create more heat safety and mitigation measures as the chance of heat-induced illness and death goes up. In part one of our series on heat, GPB's Sophie Gratis reports from South Georgia Farms, where agricultural workers who can't escape the heat face some of the highest risks. On a Tuesday in June in South Georgia, farm worker Silvia Moreno Ayala looks out over the fields of the family-owned farm she's worked for 17 years. I love that when we plant seedlings, with our care, we get fruit, she says. Soon, this field will have watermelons. A breeze comes through. Delicious, she says. Moreno's crew starts work early to avoid the hottest parts of the day. But by mid-morning, the temperatures reach the high 80s, and with the sun beating down on the field and 70% humidity, it feels hotter. It's time for water, Moreno tells the workers, one of which is her 16-year-old son, Arturo. From a cooler on the back of Moreno's truck, Arturo picks up a Capri Sun. It's his third summer, helping his mom on the farm. Like The first few days, you're going to get like really tired, and you're going to be sore a lot. But like after time, you're going to get used to it. You just got to get used to the sun most. This day marks the first of many hot days this summer. Farmer Stanley Copeland, Moreno's boss, says he's preparing for heat waves. Making sure we got shade for livestock and making sure our evaporative systems for chickens is in good shape. But for Sylvia and her crew? Like I say, we got people smart enough. They'll take care of themselves in groups. Copeland says they can handle the heat, but that's not always true. Moreno says in larger fields, it can take them an hour to make it to the end of a field and back. They can't bring the cooler with them. Often, Moreno will run out of water. She's gotten dizzy and nauseous with heat exhaustion. It feels like her heart is stopping, she says. And years of working on farms has had long-term effects, too. For almost a decade, Moreno has had chronic kidney infections. Precisely because we can't stay hydrated, Moreno says. All the water me and other workers drink throughout the day just gets sweat out. 
Farm workers don't have as many labor protections as other workers in the U.S. They often don't get overtime pay. Many work without health insurance. And migrant farm workers, over half of those in the Southeast, are subject to lax housing provisions that don't even require air conditioning. As climate change brings more dangerously hot days, farm workers are put at higher risks. Already, agricultural workers are estimated to die of heat stress at rates 35 times higher than other laborers. Excessive heat can cause fever, confusion, and body aches. In fatal cases, when internal body temperature gets too high, the body is unable to cool itself down. But many farm workers don't know all of this. A couple years ago, Aaron Ferranti with the Emory University School of Nursing conducted a study with South Georgia farm workers to gauge their understanding of heat-related risks. Do they know what heat illness is? Would they know how to recognize the signs and symptoms? And would they know how to respond? Explains Ferranti. And what we found was that their knowledge level was quite low. Roxana Chicas, also with Emory University and with her own set of studies on farm worker health, says... It's not just about educating farm workers, the laborers, it's also about educating growers. For too long, ever since, you know, even when we were enslaving people, uh, the mentality has been that uh, people of color are built to withstand the heat, right? That they're, they're conditioned to be able to work out in the heat. Which is not true. The Occupational Safety and Health Administration, or OSHA, the federal government's lead worker safety agency, says access to water, rest, and shade for those working in the heat can be life-saving. Even then, convincing farmers with already tight margins to adopt more heat protections on their own dime may be difficult, says director of the University of Georgia Weather Network, Pam Knox. If you have to give your workers more frequent work breaks, it's an economic cost because it's going to take you longer to get a crop harvested, right? But Julie Fulcher with Public Citizen says farmers and other employers, too, are likely already paying the price when workers are slowed down by the heat. They are not doing their work as well. They are more likely to get injured. So employers are already spending money on this. It would be cheaper to solve the problem. On a watermelon field near Pitts, Georgia, a week before July 4th, temperatures reach a high of 97 degrees. It's the same heat that killed a farm worker picking tomatoes 70 miles south, almost five years to the day. Workers toss the melons down a line from one pair of hands to the next. When one bus is filled, another one drives in. They take water breaks in between. During lunchtime, the workers mull around a five-gallon cooler and find relief under a shade tree. Jesus Lopez Damian chugs from a two-liter Coke bottle. It's his third season in the U.S. as a farm worker. There are a lot of people that think we make this money easily, he says. The reality is you need to kill yourself under the sun and in the heat. Sitting beside him, Victor Manuel Montes Hasso agrees. During his first season working in the U.S., Montes says he's learned that even with breaks, there's always a risk of getting sick. There's no way to protect ourselves from the sun, he says. This job's a pain. But we need to work, right? That's why we came here, to work hard. He hopes to come back next year.
Many farm workers that are undocumented or here on temporary work visas often face retaliation if they report poor working conditions, says Alma Young with the United Farm Workers Foundation in South Georgia. You know, when I reach out to workers and talk about the, the benefits of reporting, the, their concern is that they, they have tried that in the past and nobody listens to them and they see that not as a benefit but something that will harm them. Because on top of the discrimination farm workers face already, there's no federal law that ensures heat protections for workers. But that could change. Two years ago, OSHA issued an advance notice of rulemaking for heat injury and illness prevention, essentially a heads up that the agency is working on a federal heat standard that would outline workers' rights and employer responsibilities. South Georgia farm worker Sylvia Moreno Ayala says this would be huge for worker safety. If they put OSHA agents in the fields, she says, the bosses would be scared. You don't play with OSHA. But because of a notoriously slow rulemaking process, a federal heat standard from OSHA isn't expected anytime soon. It could be as far as 10 years away. Meanwhile, it's only getting hotter. For GPB News, I'm Sophie Gratas in Macon. And tune in tomorrow during Morning Edition and All Things Considered for part two of Too Hot to Work, a reporting project of GPB News and Time. In sports and baseball, the Atlanta Braves beat the Los Angeles Angels today 12-5 to win the series two games to one. Austin Riley and Matt Olson hit back-to-back homers, and Ronald Acuna Jr. launched a three-run homer to help power the Braves. The Braves let the Major League Baseball trading deadline pass yesterday without last-minute activity. In the last few weeks, the Braves netted a backup infielder and two relief pitchers, including left-hander Brad Hand from the Colorado Rockies hours before the deadline. Braves general manager Alex Anthopoulos says they did look into adding another starting pitcher, but ultimately, he didn't want to trade away prospects that could be great players in the coming years. You can't force deals, right? So look, there's plenty of deals. We could have been here and say we acquired three players, four players for a bunch of prospects that we really like. And maybe there's a halo effect for that, but three years from now, we might look back and say those would have been terrible deals for us. Anthopoulos says he's confident that Kyle Wright, Dylan Lee, and Jesse Chavez will pitch well when they come off the injured list. The Braves have the day off tomorrow before hitting the road for the next 10 games in Chicago, Pittsburgh, and New York. And that's it for this edition of Georgia Today. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope you come back tomorrow. We've got more news coming your way, including part two of the series on heat from GPB's Sophie Gratis and Time. If you want to learn more about any of the stories you heard today, visit gpb.org news. And if you've got feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email. The address is georgiatoday at gpb.org. I'm Peter Biello. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>